0: Mark chapter 1, and we hear the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Last week we had uh, an earlier portion of Mark chapter 1, and we heard Mark's first recorded miracle that Jesus performed and he, as he cast out a demon. And, and prior to casting out the demon, he spoke and taught with incredible authority such that the people were not used to hearing. So out in the public, and today we have a continuation of that the exact same day And immediately he, Jesus, left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and her fever left her, and she began to serve him. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. That I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. I want to start with a question this morning Do you need healing? Healing can come in in a great many different areas of life. And maybe the healing that you need most in your life right now is a physical healing. Maybe you have a a chronic disease or you've just received a a really, really difficult diagnosis or an upcoming surgery. Or maybe it's just something that you live with with age and your, your hips and your ankles and your knees and your back and your shoulders just aren't quite what they used to be. And a day that's kind of cool and rainy just makes the arthritis flare up. Or maybe the type of healing that you need is less physical and maybe more emotional or mental. Maybe you have a heart that spins wildly out of control with anxiety or a mind that just goes to deep, dark places in depression. Or perhaps physical or emotional-mental is not your thing. Maybe, Maybe the healing that you need most today is spiritual that you wrestle and hang on to guilt, that you store up grudges against others. Where is it that you need healing today? Today we get to take a look at understanding and discovering the heart of God, particularly this week, understanding Jesus' heart to heal. Now, there are so many miracles that are recorded in the New Testament that God has done, so many things that God continues to do, miracles today, cancer diagnosis that just unannounced disappears, or people struggling and stuck in a lifestyle of addiction to have it removed and experience freedom, or for grace and forgiveness to enter into relationships that previously looked like they were unhealable. Today we get to take a closer look at a miracle of healing. And immediately he, Jesus, left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. We pick up again right where we left off last week, the heart of authority, where people were amazed at Jesus' authority to teach. They were then they were amazed at how he proved his authority by doing the healing. And fame spread all over the place. So we're still in Capernaum. Still on the Sabbath, and Jesus so far has been teaching and doing everything this day out in public, but tonight things take a turn. Tonight He goes from the the public proclamation into a home, and He comes and draws near in a much more intimate, meaningful, deep kind of way. Now Simon, Simon's mother-in-law, lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And here we learn that Simon Peter is, is married. And not only is he married, but he has a mother-in-law. Now, this, this, uh, this fever that the mother-in-law has in in Old Test, excuse me in New Testament tradition and rabbinical teaching, a lot of times fevers were associated, connected to spiritual oppression or demonic possession, some sort of evil activity that, that then maybe even God was in the act of punishing. Now, <laughs> punishing and mother-in-law sometimes goes together. And maybe you have a mother-in-law that you think my mother-in-law could be demon-possessed. Maybe you are the mother-in-law that someone else thinks is demon-possessed. I personally don't know how that is because I have the best mother-in-law in in the world. And I'm not just saying that because she's sitting right there. (laughs) I felt like if, if you're in trouble, blink twice. And so whether this is a, a, an oppression or possession or just a strain just of the body responding to infection kind of fever we see Jesus bringing immediate healing to her. And Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve him. So Jesus lifts her by the hand. Now Jesus doesn't have a cookie cutter, one size fits all method for, for bringing miracles of healing to people. He does it in so many different kinds of ways, right? Here he reaches down and he, he physically lifts her up, and in that act of lifting her up, she is healed. Sometimes Jesus simply lays a hand on someone. Sometimes Jesus speaks the word. Sometimes somebody just hangs on to Jesus' robe. Sometimes Jesus touches them or he spits in the ground and he makes mud with the dust and the saliva and puts that on a blind person's eyes and now they can see there's so many different ways that Jesus brings healing. Which I love because that means he always matches it to what we need. He comes to you just the way that you need him to. He does miracles in his in your life just the way that you need him to. Not the same as everybody else. He individualizes his healing. And then the result of this healing is immediately Peter's mother-in-law begins to serve them. Now if Jesus loves to heal, then why doesn't He do it more? Right now the enemy likes to throw out all kinds of lies into your ears and into your hearts. And, and here's some examples. Is Jesus even paying attention? Maybe that's why he hasn't answered your prayer for a healing. Or maybe he's paying attention, but let's, let's, let's face it, he has favorites. And if he hasn't healed you, that means he likes somebody else way more than you. Or here's my favorite. Maybe your faith just isn't strong enough for Jesus to heal you. Now, these are all lies from the enemy. Because that's not how Jesus decides whether or not to heal somebody. The truth is that there is always something bigger at play. There is always a deeper meaning for what Jesus chooses to do and, and who and where and how he chooses to do a miracle of healing. All right. It's important to remember that not everybody in Capernaum was healed that day, right? At sundown, the whole town gathered for healing. So we have this day was the, was the Sabbath day. So as soon as sundown happens, the Sabbath day is over, and the people can leave their house and start to mill around town and go about their regular work. A part of that regular work today is they all gathered, the whole town gathered around Simon Peter's front door. About 1,500 people gathered together around Simon Peter's front door because they want to have an exchange with Jesus. They want to connect with Him. They want to hear His teaching more. They want to see Him do amazing things. And so, they bring and present all kinds of problems and sicknesses and ailments and demonic influences, and Jesus does amazing things with them. And it says, many were healed. It doesn't say all. It says many and I can imagine at the end of that day, Jesus is just worn out. He's exhausted because, yes, He is 100% God, but He's also 100% man. And as a part of being 100% man, He gets weary and tired and exhausted from work and ministry and connecting with people. And so, He crashes, and He doesn't do what I would be tempted to do in the early morning would just be to sleep in. I'm like, it was a long day yesterday. Let's just rest. But Jesus knows that sleep does not always equal rest, that time spent with the Father always equals Sabbath, deep soul rest. So he wakes up very early in the morning before it is the sun up. And while it was still dark, he goes out to the wilderness to pray, to connect with the Father. And in the midst of this, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they wake up, and they're like, where's Jesus? And they go seeking for him and looking for Jesus and, and finding him. They're like, we've got to get back to town. There's more people in Capernaum for you to, to, to speak to, to, to heal. And Jesus says this. He's like, my let's go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. You see, Jesus' primary purpose is preaching and teaching the kingdom of God, the world put right, being established. That the kingdom of God is near. Jesus' goal was not to evangelize, heal, and restore everybody in one town, and then when that was done, move on to the next town, and then heal everybody in that town, and then go to the next town. Jesus knows His time is short, that more and more people across the world need to know this message that His purpose is not to bring total and full and complete healing today. His purpose is to usher in the kingdom of God, the world put right, to teach with authority, to show his, his, these miracles as proof of His power and authority, to suffer on the cross, to atone for all of our mistakes, to bring us into a healed relationship with His heavenly Father. And if we focus too much just on the miracle, we run the risk of missing the Messiah. Some of the greatest work that God accomplishes in our lives are a result of Him saying no or not yet to our prayers, to our requests for healing. There's always a greater plan at play. Now, sometimes, sometimes His greatest work is to to prompt some kind of action on our part. Several years ago, I had an opportunity to reengage with my birth father, whom I was estranged from for 30 years, and in my mind, my dad was, my birth dad was just, he was just an evil, evil person, a broken alcoholic, one failed marriage after another. Just a horrible monster. And then I found out that God had diagnosed him with ALS and was just given a handful of years to live. So even though I didn't like him, there's still that prayer, God brings some healing to him. That doesn't really happen with ALS very often. It's pretty quick downward spiral. And I had a chance then prompted by this urgency to reach out to Him, to see if God might work a miracle in our lives and, and restore my relationship with Him. And God said no to answering my prayer for Him to be healed physically, because I think if He did that, He knew there would no longer be an urgency for us to connect and to use that sickness. To reconnect us in a place of grace and forgiveness and renewal in a way that brought more healing to my life than i could have ever imagined sometimes god says no to a physical healing because he has a bigger plan in play sometimes it's to prompt us to action other times it's to instead of just prompting us to action instead he likes to bring us to a place of a powerful witness because consider this if if your life is just going smoothly like everything is falling into place all of your ducks are in a row everybody else you knows ducks are in your row you've just got like everything going perfectly everything is easy and you tell somebody about jesus it's like well let's see good that's okay that's good that's good But when you're in the midst of a horrible storm in life and your suffering is obvious but so is your rejoicing that speaks volumes. And when you rejoice in the Lord and you share your faith in the midst of your deepest darkest struggles people take notice. People dying in hospice who speak words of joy and hope in Christ, CNAs and nurses and doctors, they hear that and they marvel and they want it. Sometimes God says no to a powerful prayer of healing because He has a bigger plan in play for you to share a powerful message of hope. And sometimes God says no to a prayer requesting healing, because He longs for you to enter into a prayerful relationship with Him, to bond closer to Him. Jesus, in the midst of this, in the midst of all of the ministry, took time to take, to leave early in the morning to go out and pray. And early morning prayers, those are, those are special prayers. That's an intimate, quiet time of the day. And while it was still dark, sometimes when it's darkest life that we have, sometimes those are the best times to go to God in prayer. To be drawn near to Him and connect. And sometimes prayer is so easy for us to just kind of let it turn into a dear Santa letter where we're asking, Jesus, I need this. Please make this happen. Please heal this person. Please do that. And what we do is we do what Simon, Peter, and Andrew did in this text. After they woke up and they couldn't see Jesus, what did they do? They went out and they sought Him. They sought Him. They seeked after Him and they pursued Him. And here's the problem with that, because that doesn't sound like a bad thing. But every time somebody seeks Jesus or God in Scripture, it actually is not the best. Because what they're doing is they're trying to manipulate God into doing what they need and what they want and what they will. Let's let our time in prayer be more than just a dear Santa letter. Just giving God our spiritual wish list. And... The disciples were amazed at how well Jesus prayed and how important prayer was to, to Jesus in connecting with the Father as a lifeline to ministry. And if it's important to Jesus, it should be so much more important to us. And they said, Jesus, how, how do we do this? How do we have access to this? What do we, what do we say? And Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer, which we'll, we'll, we'll speak together in just a little while before we re- receive the Lord's Supper. And I love the Lord's Prayer because it includes so many different things than just a wish list. It's prayers of gratitude, prayers of of praise and wonder and awe, prayers of acknowledging who God is and what He does, and, and a love for Him, not just for what He does, but for who He is. To not miss the Messiah because we're longing for the miracle. Prayer enables us to draw near to the Messiah, to connect with Him, to share our heart, to listen and wait for Him. You know, as we work diligently in the kingdom of God here at St. Luke's, it's important that we have amazing volunteers to, to band together and lead this place. In powerful ministry. And the men and women who serve on the board of directors, it is good for them to have good business minds, to be savvy with all the technicalities of how to run things. But even more important than that is to have men and women who first prioritize their relationship with God, who seek to spend more and more time in prayer, more and more time in God's Word, And the same is true with our elders. Before our elders can be effective leaders in ministry in this place, first and foremost comes your relationship with God, your time in prayer, your lifeline in relationship with Him. Give me dads and husbands who are more concerned with their relationship with God than they are with their relationship with their families. And you'll show me men who are truly leading their homes. Show me women who have this passionate desire to share compassion and love and support, but understand that they only receive that because they first go to God in prayer. Give me young men and women boys and girls who understand that their role is to honor their mother and father, but first and foremost, to follow their mother and father's example in, in connecting and engaging in God and prayer. It's been my prayer this week, falling in love with this text, that you would take some time early in the morning And go away. Whoever that is for you to be away, it might just be the next door, it might just be outside, and take some time to pray. And not just to ask God for stuff, but to engage with Him in a meaningful conversation and let Him draw near to you. You don't need to go seek God. You just need to turn back to Him. God is already pursuing you. He desires to talk with you, and as soon as you, as soon as you start that prayer, He is there. His ear is listening intently. Now, this is an amazing thing to me, that even though we are to pursue a Messiah, not the miracles, the Messiah does promise an amazing miracle to come, that there will be a day when He returns and sets all things right, where He will wipe every tear, where He will make every, every elderly hip and elbow and ankle and shoulder feel like it's 17 again, Well, He will make us forget the word cancer, when he will come and and be with every heart that's spinning wildly out of control with anxiety and bring it peace, where he he will draw near to every head that is in such a deep, dark place of depression and elevate it to a place of joy. He will come to every heart that's been hurt and beat down and bring it grace and remove guilt and shame as far as the East is from the West and inspire a generosity towards forgiving other people in abundant ways. The world put right. May you find some time in prayer this week. Maybe even challenge you not to pray for a single healing and just be with the God who was, is, and always will be. And in the midst of that, may you find a peace that passes all understanding. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. This week, as you go about your week and having conversations with other people, here's a a question that I would love for you to ponder. Our weekly awakening this week is this. Is there a desire for healing in your life that has you seeking the miracle and not the Messiah? Have you spent time obsessing about one thing in your life that you want God to fix, and instead let that be a distraction from fixing your eyes on Him? Share that with somebody else. Acknowledge it for yourself, and pursue the God who's already pursued you.